been shot. For it seems now more certain than ever that the bloody experience of Vietnam is to end in a stalemate. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Any outlaw regime that has ties to terrorist groups and seeks or possesses weapons of mass destruction is a grave danger to the civilized world and will be confronted. If you're a new listener, just type in Pentagon tested gay bomb on Iraq. I said, General, I got myself a problem, General. It was a Jewish doctor. Uh, welcome back. It's your Iraqi horror picture show. Still yeah. doing the newsroom. <laughs> we're we're getting close to the end of the first season, though. This will be, if I'm not mistaken, we we will be wrapping it up this episode. Yeah. Uh, this it kind of makes sense though when you think about it because these last two we've just watched were actually a two parter. Yeah. Um, and the energy and pacing of them just kind of made them essentially just like a one episode type deal because yeah. they really. Ryden wasn't as bad on this one. Good pacing. Okay, yeah, I think that I think that that's fair. Um, I think okay, I you know we had a couple week break here in recording because of like the midterms and stuff, um, and like I don't know. I guess when every time we come back, I'm annoyed at the way Aaron Sorkin <laughs> writes because I'm just like, hey, nobody talks like this. No. It's so annoying. Um, so, I definitely for the first episode, I was like, okay, come on, like, he's doing the rhythmic writing again, um, but uh, this episode, these episodes are called The Blackout, part one and two. Uh, Blackout doesn't take up much of either episode. 20 seconds. 20 seconds of the last one, and then the half of a speech for the next one. Yeah. Um, either way... Uh, this this first one starts out. Uh, Will is being interviewed for some kind of print media, yeah. um, and we find out it's by the guy who Mac cheated on him with. But as as the guy thinks, he thinks that he was cheated on uh, with, with Will. Will. Yeah, yeah. How's that one? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then and then Mac keeps going like, no, no, I promise, I cheated on Will. Um, notably, it's also uh, Leslie's ex-boyfriend from like Parks and Rec or something. Yeah. Mark, I think is his name in that show. Um, but he looks more like a fuck. They put glasses on him and it makes him look like more of an asshole. Which he's I wearing tweeds. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got kind of a professor vibe. Um, Will gets pretty self uh, introspective. He goes to therapy. He goes to therapy and he does it like and he's like very invested in it. Yeah. So you're like, wow, he actually grew as a character, which I'm, I'm more impressed with Aaron Sorkin for. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Will, Will also, um, when they're sort of starting the interview out, he lays out a bunch of terms and conditions. Uh, he's like, uh, you know, I get to decide what goes on the record. You yeah. can just sort of hang out and audition for this, like, role as the interviewer. Um, and then he also, okay... He says something interesting. He tells the interviewer, Brian, he's like, I grew up in a town outside of a town outside of a town. Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. A town outside of a town. 
outside of Lincoln, Lincoln Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. No, the like, fuck he didn't. No, yeah. <laughs> it, like, like, you know, we, we looked up where Jeff Daniels is from. He's from a college town in Georgia. Um, and he's also, like, he doesn't have... Like, we're from the Midwest-ish. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... People don't talk I, like him around here. No. And I... I have been to Nebraska. I've met I've met the good Cornhusker people. The Cornhusker people. Uh, not a not a damn one like Will McAvoy. I mean, he's he's so much more like confident and uh, like pretentious than people. It's very cosmopolitan. Yeah, like like I don't know. I've I, I've never met like a dude from like a an Eastern Seaboard city that acts like this either. That's not no. true. If he told I've met a guy from yeah. DC who acts like this, okay. but you know. If he told me he was like, I was born in the American Embassy in London, and my dad was like a Foreign Service officer, I'd believe that shit. Uh, much more, yeah, much he's more. Very, likely he's very that. worldly. Yeah. Um, okay, and then we go into um, uh, what's his name, the old guy. Oh, Charlie. Charlie. We go into Charlie Skinner's office. Uh, they're having ratings trouble, uh, and they're being uh, uh, ridiculed by. Um, Reese Lansing, who is the son of the woman who owns the network, who's played by Jane Fonda. Um, so they, they've decided to cover shit that they think they're beneath, but is news. Yeah, so like the Casey Anthony trial. And the Anthony Weiner uh, sexting scandal. Yeah, which is both of... Yeah. The Anthony Weiner thing is way funnier than this is. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> because, like, I don't know... It, it was a it was a huge deal at the time, and it kept happening. Like it did keep happening after this, uh, yeah. Which is even funnier because at the beginning, if you I don't know if you remember, he said he at first it was like no, it wasn't me, guys, and then it was <laughs> ah shit. All right, this one was me, but this is the last one, and then another one, and then he was like, well, okay, I'm going to resign from Congress. He had a whole you know come to Jesus. He ran for mayor. He was like number one in the polls. Another one. <laughs> and then, uh, right before the 2016 election, one more for good measure. And I think that one got him in legal trouble. I think I think you might be right about that. Um, all right. They also, the, the big conflict is also that they want to get uh, the Republican debate on, mm-hmm. like, hosted on their network. Um, and they want to make sure that their ratings are high and that their viewership is up. Um, so that the Republican National Convention will like engage with them yeah. on uh, like the debate. Um, there's also some talk about the death, uh, the debt ceiling from Sloan, and she keeps saying yeah, that like it's the yeah. most important thing, and they're not going to renew it, and we're going to have a fi- like international financial crisis. Here's here's a spoiler. Uh, they they always come back to the debt ceiling. Yeah. Uh, you know why? Because <laughs> if they didn't. It would be pretty fucking bad. Like the, the Arrested Development, uh, they didn't. They, they didn't fail to raise the debt ceiling. Um, okay, um, I, I, we sk- I skipped a bunch here because there's a lot that's just not interesting. No, in the Republican half. debate even isn't that. I, you know, I guess the stakes were higher back then, but you know, they're really wrestling over having Herman Cain, uh, Rick Santorum, and Mitt Romney, mm-hmm. and, and Dr. Ron Paul. Mm, yeah, something. it's like who gives a shit? Oh, and Michelle Bachman, who they keep bringing up, who is like for you, you younger ones listening, who is like the er version of Marjorie Taylor Greene, I suppose. <laughs> uh, 
Not relevant anymore. None of these folks no. are really relevant. I guess Mitt Romney to a very lesser extent because he's a senator now, but the rest of them are fucking nobody. Herman Cain's dead. Super. Born. And his uh, recall that his uh, Twitter account <laughs> yeah. continued tweeting COVID misinformation after he was struck down <laughs> yeah. dead by COVID. That is hilarious. Yeah. Um, the other okay. The other thing is that um, Ron Paul is sort of an interesting figure because he was a, a libertarian mm. running as a Republican. Yeah. Uh, and one of the big things that I remember from this period of time was that he was really in favor of defunding the military, yeah. and that absolutely murdered his chances. Oh, yeah. He got panned like crazy we, on every right-wing to, news network. To audit the Fed, we need to defund the military, <laughs> and you need to vote for my my weak-ass boy yeah. for the Senate. Good old, good old Rand. Um, and buy gold. That's right. Um, so then we have a scene where uh, Charlie is uh, he's going to the New York Public Library uh, oh, yeah. and he's going to meet with a contact, um, which is the guy who, if you recall, called him to let him know that Osama bin Laden had been killed. Um, he goes and he sits down at the wrong table. Um, yeah, this is and true. and yeah, like the weird stuff happens here. Uh, and then the guy who he's actually supposed to meet meets him at the other table. Uh, at the first table, the guy who's sitting there has a, a carnation, a car, yeah, a carnation on his jacket. Uh, and Charlie's like, "Hey, I thought that you would be the one with the carnation uh, <laughs> because the universal symbol for oh, you know." And it's like, oh, I guess. Charlie's cruising at the, at the uh, New York Public Library or something. I don't know. And the guy who plays the informant, if you've ever seen the movie Lady Bird, the uh, one with Timothy Chalamet and uh, <laughs> Cersei Ronan, uh, he plays the music teacher slash priest, the informant guy. I haven't seen Lady Bird, but I've seen the uh, TikTok where the yeah. guy's like, I could strike uh, Timothy Chalamet out in three fishes. And then he's like... <laughs> I'll have to show it to you. I'll, I'll maybe I'll drop the audio in. Mm. But he's he's like strike two. Labor sucks, Fuck. and it's really funny. Second pitch, curveball in the dirt. You chased it. Of course you chased it. Ladybird sucked. Fuck you. Um. <laughs> so um, essentially, like the this is an old guy talking to an old guy about like wiretapping and data mining. Uh, and he, he loses Charlie he pretty loses quickly. immediately. <laughs> Once he gets past the wiretaps, he well, loses he, he also, like, he gets to the point that he's like, okay, so you know the machine that Batman uses in The Dark Knight that Morgan Freeman says, I have to quit because no man should have that much power. And uh, we were both like, he hasn't. There's no. no way a man this old has seen that movie. And he goes, no. no. And he goes, well, that machine is real. And we were like, okay, I mean, yeah, you just picked the wrong guy to interview yeah. Charlie has seen the bridge on the River Kwai every year. And yeah, that's, that's it in terms of. Well, and and not only that, like he, the only activity we really see him doing is like reading and drinking yeah. whiskey with no rocks, which is a, a psychotic thing that I think I've only put together now. Just neat, yeah. room temperature whiskey. I, like what the fuck? Who does that? Um, Vietnam vets. Vietnam vets. <laughs> um, it, wouldn't it be unfortunate to be him, Charlie in Vietnam? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? That may be an intentional by Aaron Sorkin. I'm, I would not be surprised. Yeah. Um, Charlie in the trees. No, I'm right here. No, um, no. But they find out that um, the son of uh, the exec who runs the company has been ordering wiretapping within the company mm -hmm. on, 
I don't know everybody. Everybody. Let's assume um, everybody. And, Certainly will. And yeah, and they're going up that far. Like they they know that he knows and is ordering it. So this has been leaked to them. They're dealing with it. They're treating it as if it's high stakes. But like, to be honest with you, nothing happens with this. No. For the rest of these two episodes. Well, they investigate the guy and they go, oh. He uh, scored low on his psyche valve, and he's stalking his wife. That's so right. So yeah, his ex-wife. Um, but, you know, yeah, they don't follow up on it. Like Which, that sucks because, like, this is the most interesting subplot we have. Yeah. Um, and the NSA shit does become pressure. This is even, this episode is made before Edward Snowden even. So yeah. uh, Aaron Sorkin on the ball with that one. I'll give him that. We, yeah, I mean... You it know. wasn't made before Chelsea Manning, though, I guess. Well... You know, I'm I'm thinking that like Rod Dreher and Aaron Sorkin might have some similar opinions <laughs> on uh, Chelsea Manning, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> if you recall that that column of his. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, um, so there's this bizarre Casey Anthony exchange in the uh, oh, yeah. in the office or whatever. Don the Devil doesn't think she did it. She, she he thinks he doesn't she, think she did it. I, yeah, I will say he's right in the coverage. She was being slut shamed. Uh, but she did do it. You know, it's like that yeah. was a fault of the prosecution, but the fact was that, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into all the Casey uh, Anthony yeah. details with I you, mean, but I will tell you, they did find uh, a skeletal skeletal remains with duct tape near or around the mouth in a book bag yeah. uh, near the house. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, she. I mean, if you really look at everything that came out, I'm honestly shocked that a jury didn't convict her. But, yeah. um, you know, this was a, a culture war thing of the time. It was um, big, big at the time. They, they were like, there was a he, Don Devil was right. There was a big deal about her having a tattoo, yeah. which like being a party animal or whatever. Yeah, yeah. well, I, and I, you know, I can't. I really can't believe that we were like that about tattoos as recently no. as. Ten years ago, it's crazy, but insane. But um, you know, there's a whole thing where uh, he's like, "We should portray it as um, ev- so every woman is like, <laughs> I, this baby deserved me as her mother instead of Casey Anthony." Aye, aye. Um, then they get a report from Reese Lansing. Uh, he says 150,000 viewers have returned, and they're mostly women, which is. Uh, you know, another Aaron Sorkin, like, look how stupid yeah. women are thing. This is what brings them to the news. Yeah. Casey Anthony. Women don't watch the news unless it's sensational, is what he seems to be saying. They also, oh, the, with the Anthony Weiner thing, because this is the other B plot. Oh, they, they, yeah, try, that's they right. try to make his accuser like a money grubbing, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, they try to make her look like a. Uh, a floozy. Yeah, they go. Well, uh, didn't you basically entrap him? I mean, looks like you were a willing participant. Which and and she like they made a point of her being like, oh, I know that he was married, but I didn't know that he was fucking around on me yeah. with other women than his wife. I would have liked to see Aaron Sorkin's writing in like 1998 around a, a certain someone's impeachment trial. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, or yeah. or as we were saying during the recording during the Alf Rankin like, and we, Yeah, we were we were we did scour a little bit to find try to find stuff about Alf Rankin and Aaron Sorkin, but we couldn't find anything. There was no connection. Tenuous. 
Well, I mean, I think it's really good for Aaron Sorkin that he doesn't have social media because he would have put <laughs> his foot in his mouth a long time ago. Yeah. We interestingly, as just a side note here, we found a story about Larry David screaming in Dur- Alan Dershowitz's <laughs> face in a grocery store, yeah. which is so funny. Yes. Um, and then we we had a small debate over whether. Uh, Seinfeld and Larry David have any connection to Epstein whatsoever and I think Reese you said the right thing Uh, Jerry Seinfeld already has a child bride already has a child bride famously (laughs) much like much like Jerry Lee Lewis oh my god not well oh R.I.P. to date this yeah recent the recent passing of the the world's oldest most famous pedophile um um, okay that's the Jimmy Savile yeah, probably. <laughs> or, you know, Chuck Berry, or mm. unfortunately, probably most of those yeah. guys. Pope John Paul II. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so then we have uh, we have Neil, played by Dev Patel, uh, wanting to start his own investigative journalism st- uh, story. Um, there's an interesting moment where trolling is explained to the audience, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I guess it's yeah. 2011, but I think I would have known what trolling was at that yeah. time as a child. Uh, I can't say for sure. He decides, though, uh, with Sloane's consent, that he's going to troll her online and, like, call her a whore and stuff. Uh, Which she doesn't seem to care about that, but when she's like, he's like, oh, I'm going to say you have a big ass. She, like, slams him up against the wall. She's like, what? She's like, she's like, listen here, do I have a big ass? He's like, I don't know. And then she's like... Uh, he goes, you know, some men like it when women have big asses. She slams him against the wall again, and she's like, do they? And it's like, Does, is this what Aaron Sorkin thinks women think about all this, the time? This is the dialogue he gave Olivia Munn for this episode. Yeah, who's, like, like again, recall a couple episodes prior where yeah. we were impressed with her fluently speaking yeah. Japanese. And like, she, like, she's a more talented actress than Aaron Sorkin is giving her credit for. And she has a good bit about the death ceiling and you know the Republicans, or da, 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 but you know it's kind of it's it's overshadowed by the uh, yeah by her like I, mean, I don't know she by comes the Dev Patel trolling story and she becomes she she appears manic for most of this too like, yeah and I'm sure and again Aaron Sorkin writes and directs for the most part yeah uh, he's really annoying about the way his dialogue is written so I I am very hesitant to criticize any of the actors or actresses on this show. Yeah. Because almost certainly, like, if there's any writer slash director that you can blame for something like this, it's Aaron Sorkin, uh, and the only other one I can think about is, like, Clint Eastwood, because he does everything in one take and refuses to do anything else. So First take's perfect. Did you, have you heard that anecdote about, like, Matt Damon, where he was like, no, I'd like to do that again, and he's like, do you want to waste everybody's time? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no! Stanley Kubrick did multiple takes, brother! The best directors of all time have done multiple takes. And then he just dro- drops the oldest slur you ever heard. <laughs> yeah, goes, well, yeah, I, yeah. well, I'm you not one be... of those, but Stanley Kubrick is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one of those, one of those that like when you're a kid you've never heard of them, and then you have a friend who's like really nerdy about slurs and like looks them up online. Maybe that's just like um, uh, growing up. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's yeah, no, that's I, universal. Say, that's I, universal. I don't know. I was gonna say maybe that's just like a thing of me revealing something about my childhood. No, but. It's universal. Unfortunately, <laughs> you, you get a lot of uh, fun anti-Asian ones that way yeah. for sure. The kids are just on the Wikipedia page. I'm on the Wikipedia page for the ABCs of slurs. I'm like, this <laughs> yeah. is our one computer class. So yeah. why are you doing? And this? the teacher for some reason is not supervising this no, at all. No. 
They don't know how the internet works. Not back then, anyway. No. Um, okay, so then, uh, you know, there was a part I honestly wasn't paying attention to where Mackenzie's kind of yelling at everybody. She's upset. Didn't miss anything. Yeah, she's upset that they're uh, cover, about to cover Casey Anthony and Anthony Weiner. Uh, and then the lights go out. And it's like, oh, it's the end of the episode. Oh, shit. Um, and Q, uh... Oh, no, they didn't play the Reba song, That's the Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. They played they play? the uh, Christian Bob Dylan. They played They played Saved by Bob Dylan's yeah. uh, hit album, Saved. <laughs> uh, it's Christian <laughs> revival album. So we get to uh, the next episode, and Mackenzie has sort of uh, revitalized, and she's got a lot more energy, and she's like, oh, shit, this is going to be great for us. Uh, we don't have to cover the trash news. Captain the, my captain type shit. Yeah, and she's like... Hey, what we're gonna do is we're gonna force like the the key grips to carry the uh, the news desk down twenty five flights of stairs yeah. to the street. We're gonna and do we're gonna broadcast news. on the street, and it's like okay. Now, first of all, let's pretend that this entire idea is not the most insane fucking thing yeah. you've ever heard in your entire life. Now you're like, let me have these underpaid camera staff guys carry what is presumably like a 400 pound desk down 25 flights of stairs when we could just do the standing we could just yeah, do the standing outside. you could put a podium outside yeah. you could make it look like the state of the union address yeah. it doesn't matter um and then the lights come back on and yeah. she's like god dumb, damn it it was a dumb idea anyway so it yeah. didn't matter it doesn't, yeah i mean that would have been insane it's almost i'm almost surprised that he allowed the lights to come back on in the yeah. story because it's like that seems like the type of thing that he would go for. Yeah. Um, but she says, the lights going out might be the best thing that's ever happened to us. And it's like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. It might have been too corny even for him. I think I think you might be right. I mean... New, uh, the West Wing would have done it. He's grown up. So I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the reason that Will is becoming more compelling is because uh, <laughs> Aaron Sorkin has become more normal somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And uh, at some point here also, uh, Will goes to therapy and realizes that he's uh, punishing Mackenzie yeah. for, by having the uh, reporter boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, be there. Uh, and he's like, why am I doing this? Uh, and then he like, finds out that because apparently like, they shared a therapist, um, <laughs> like that he didn't come into the situation at all because... Brian had dumped Mackenzie, and then when she got an opportunity to go back to him, she just took it, which, you know... She was rejected. Yeah. And he was betrayed. Yeah. That's how the therapist makes the difference. Which, like, I don't know... We, it makes you know, sense. It makes sense. He still, like, genuinely seems like a decent therapist. Oh, but yeah. it, it definitely has the, like, stink of, like, the 2010s pop psychology thing oh, that yeah. made every uh, Gen, Gen Z girl you know be like... I want to be a psychologist. I want to be able to read people uh, until they like actually got to college and they were like, oh, that's not what psychology is. Yeah. And then you still have like, there, there is still a full workforce worth of uh, female psychology majors that are not working in psychology right now because there aren't that many jobs. Yeah. Um, the dudes all went into marketing and are now knee deep in debt on NFT yeah, and they thought Yeah, they, they thought Mad Men was super cool. Yes, that's the yeah. So For twin sure. paths of of uh, hubris. Yeah, there. they thought they thought that marketing was as easy as it was when Don Draper was doing yes. it, and all he had to do was 
Picture yourself with a cigarette in the convertible car, and everybody was like, "Oh my god!" And then, and then they saw Wolf of Wall Street, and it really sent them over the oh edge. Let me sell dude. you this pen. Yeah. Type shit. Yeah, I dude, Wolf of Wall Street guys make me want to die. <laughs> oh my my brother's one of them now. You hate to see it. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, most <laughs> members of my family are like, "Wow, this financial criminal is so cool." <laughs> um, Okay. Uh, Cold calling seniors getting their social security number. <laughs> um, okay, and then we're back to the trolling subplot here. Um, Sloan is clearly uncomfortable with this. Uh, for one thing, it's unclear why Deb Patel has to loop her in on this at all, mm. other than be like, I'm going to be doing this. This is me. Um, but, like, it seems, first of all, like, mo- like people are just defending her, yeah. which is, n- uh, by the way, not what would happen in real life. No. I no, thought there was no. going to be another prescient point by Aaron Sorkin where he was like, women have it rougher. I don't know why I thought that, because what he's, the, the group that he's hardest on is women. Oh, yeah. So, like, he's a little racist, yeah. but he's he's way more sexist. Yeah. Yeah. So, it doesn't, it, like, it's like, you, you know, see, the internet was actually kind to her because women don't get targeted like that online. Yeah, and, and also she was, he was doing it to her colleagues. Like, I think that that's most notable. For some reason, he wasn't just, like, doing it on Twitter or something yeah. where, like, anybody could also come. Like, that's the point of trolling, especially for, like, weird, bigoted, like, 4chan dudes is to, like, essentially, like, start a pogrom and, yeah. like, try to get other people to go after this person. They're trying to get the... the R slash the red pill, you know, as many yeah. subscriptions as they can. I mean, can. like, this word is overused at this point, I think, but it is, like, to an extent, they're, like, trying to get, uh, or ideally they want stochastic terrorism to happen. Oh, yeah. And they want people, like, calling in bomb threats at the news, uh, like, the news channel because they're, like, she's showing her tits. Yeah. So. I tell you to go on 4chan and check it out yourself, but I don't recommend you going. There on are better ways to figure out what goes on on 4chan yeah. than going yourself. At this point, like, people have written, like, Graduate papers on oh, it, yeah. and if you if you want to get involved, more watch safely, Tucker. Well, yeah, you could watch the Tuckster. Yeah. Uh, he did that Japanese milk porn thing a couple oh. weeks ago. Um, Number one news news show in America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they call it Japanese milk porn. Um, this ja- is, it was Japanese exploding milk porn, and it's robbing us of our precious uh, bodily fluids. No, yeah, notably, by the way, that story that that was in reference to happened in Canada. It wasn't even American politics, but whatever. Um, then we have uh, they're they're simulating the debate again, uh, just getting prepared so that they can play the candidates yeah. uh, for when the RNC guy guys come in. Um, <laughs> the RNC there's, guys. Yeah. There's a weird moment where they're talking about right to work legislation, uh, and Maggie's like, "I don't think anybody should be forced to be any in any uh, organization whatsoever," uh, and it's like. Y- yeah, that's what right to work laws are there for, because you were forced to be in a union before. Yeah, like that was never a thing. No. I'm sorry. Um, the the RNC guys are, <coughs> are good uh, because well, first of all, uh, a point is made earlier in the show that was kind of funny, where they're like, uh, "Will is the only Republican that's being." tough on the Tea Party. And then they name a bunch of people. Including who are David Frum. David Frum, Steve Schmidt, a bunch of goddamn people who aren't Republicans anymore. Yeah, they were big like Lincoln Project guys yeah. first and then they're you know. Yeah. Um, now they're just uh, uh, regulars on MSNBC. Yeah. But kind of kind of pressure on that point. But the RNC guys come in and it's one old tan guy who worked for George Bush Sr. and it's like yeah, 
He loved Will. He loved Will. Will the fourth was son like he a, never uh, had. Yeah, fourth son he never had. George, Jeb, Will, and uh, the other one, Marvin. Is that his name for real? I think it is. I gotta look that up. <laughs> Marvin um, Bush. And the other, the other Neil. <laughs> Neil, not Marvin. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> All the, all the same. The Bush family. The Bush I can't family. find this. George H.W. Bush. Okay. Uh, and then the other guy is like a, a frat style. Uh, he, he's like a, a, a fraternity yeah. bro style Republican he, operative. We, we said he would either be in Congress now or no. he'd have like a podcast like on the Ben Shapiro Daily Wire network maybe. Fourth son he never... Was that a dig at Jeb? No, Jeb was the good one at this point. George, Robin, Jeb, Neil, Marvin, Dorothy. There is a Marvin. There is a Marvin. He's well, still alive. Okay. Well, Robin's Robin is a is a woman's name. Yeah, uh, she's dead. She died as a child. It looks like. So. Um, so wait, So is there is not alive. a Neil in my out of my fucking? Neil mind? is there. Neil is also alive. So he had four sons. Who was he digging at? Who was he digging at? I think it's Jeb. You think it's Jeb? At this point, though, Jeb Jeb hasn't lost yet. Yeah, I mean, Jeb is yeah, still we viable. Have, we didn't point. have Jeb's big day out where he no. got what did he call get called Sleepy Jeb or Sleep, something? Low energy Jeb. Low energy Jeb. <laughs> low energy Jeb. Yeah, I'm. I'm. God damn. I wonder if that was just a mistake. Oh no, that was that was that was not even workshop. That was like so. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, the fourth son he never had. Oh, the fourth son he never had. No, maybe it was a dig at George W. Maybe, but I like I don't know. Like we've talked about this before, uh, how like disappointed Poppy was with Jeb for sure. Like, like Jeb was the the son who was good the whole time, and he's like, why haven't I been rewarded? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like George, George W, the black just, sheep winner. Yeah, he's the black sheep winner. He's also just genuinely more likable as like a more, personality, more charismatic, yeah. more successful. Whereas you know, we, were, we were talking about the nerd cowboy, more evil. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's what people were like. I want to have a beer with this guy, and you know, a couple months ago at yeah. this point, as of uh, recording in November 2022. He he was like talking about the war in Ukraine and was like, uh, you know, a man for a man to go into Iraq with uns, unjustified. Oops, I meant Ukraine. Like, are yeah. you fucking kidding me? You can like like the contradictions are such that you can just say that now and nobody cares. Man, I'm looking at the audio here. <laughs> we peaked it. It's doing a whoop. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, so we were talking about the RNC guys. Yeah, so um, you've got the psycho and the never Trump guy. The never Trump guy, yeah, and and like, so they're doing the debate prep, uh, and Will goes into this like full court press against some of the candidates, uh, which are you know of course our our newsroom friends playing the yeah. candidates, um, and they're like the the psycho guys like what the fuck. Like, this is not what we're looking for. And, you know, to be fair, that's not what you're looking for when you're trying to host a debate on your network. Um, not to mention the fact that it's like, I, I, I don't know why he has more authority than the old guy. Yeah. But he calls a meeting back into the office and he's like, that whore McKenzie turned you into a liberal. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I want the old Will back. Um, so after all this bullshit, they don't even get the um, debate. They give it to CNN. And I, I remember that debate. Uh, they show a clip of it, and the question they asked Michelle Bachman, who, again, oh. 
Er, well, ah, oh, god damn it! You know, it's Sarah Palin is the is the impetus of all these people. She, well, but she's Lauren. She's proto Lauren. Butler. She's pro. She's proto. So Sarah Bachman, Palin is Er, and Michelle Bachman is proto. There she's, you go. A, she's a step ahead. She's the Crow Magnon man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're right. She did come first in terms. She of... She did. And chronologically, Sarah Palin was first. Uh, but Michelle Bachman was in Congress, but she was no. Regardless, they ask her. Who's your favorite artist, um, Elvis, Elvis or, or Johnny Cash? Cash? This is a debate which, question. Which one? What a fucking softball! But I just want to say again. I said this to Reese too. That why do you have to pick between the? That's like like no. you should say like Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson or something. Yeah. Like like not only are they in like two different genres to an extent, they're comparable. They're comparable in a lot of ways. Like that, yeah, they both. Like Johnny Cash, to some extent, is a rock star before a country musician, but that's not what this podcast is about. No, so I'm gonna shut the fuck up about it. Yeah. Um, there's also okay. watch The Man in Black on Netflix. There you go. Watch any Johnny Cash documentary. Go to the museum in Nashville. What a cool motherfucker. Yeah. Um, also, um, there's a moment where um, they get. Jim's ex-girlfriend, who's uh, Maggie's oh, roommate. The Lisa. They, yeah. yeah, Lisa. They get her on TV because she went to high school with Casey Anthony. They just made her up They for just that. make that up. Um, and Jim's, <laughs> like, trying to get back with her at this point as Don and Maggie are, like, really, really on the rocks. Yeah. And Don has received flowers from another woman to the office that Will shelters for him. Jim, not that Maggie's not having an emotional affair, but no, that Don is completely aware of, and it's just been punishing her for a year, over which is insane. Yeah. But um, so then they have Lisa on TV. Uh, Lisa is like, oh, you know, um, if Casey Anthony, essentially, she says, if Casey Anthony would have gotten an abortion, then she wouldn't have murdered the kid, um, which is a convoluted point to make. Uh, and I think you can. There is a point to be made about uh, you know something related to un, unwanted children and uh, this totally unfit parent. Yeah. But I I probably wouldn't have made the pro-choice argument at that at that moment. It's not a good one. Because, not a good well, one. I mean, and there was a better argument that she started making too. Yeah. And we we commented on this when we were sitting there. Maybe we should just record our remarks also. The director's um, commentary. Yeah. Well, we're not the director. Yeah. Famously. But you know, we were we were sitting there, and I was like, well, this is kind of a good take because she was listing all the non-white children who had disappeared, yeah. and they don't get any fucking coverage ever. And I and you know, it's like. Um, if you recall, when Gabby Petito was murdered, um, people talked about like missing white women syndrome, and like a news anchor got fired over mentioning it, uh, which well, is insane. Meanwhile, we got all these native women yeah. missing. We've got all which, these black women. That's another soapbox there. Yeah. For fuck's sake, man! Um, but like, yeah. So so she we, moves on from that to yeah, the front. So Will we, has we to were be like, like, wow, yeah. this is a really early take from Aaron Sorkin on this. Like. A, I was wondering if he like knew somebody who went missing and it didn't get covered. And then she was like, anyway, she should have gotten an abortion. Hmm. And it was like, what? Um, and then again, they didn't really go into that anymore. Oh, no. they did attack. Somebody attacked the like dress shop. Oh yeah, they, they spray painted baby killer. But like, yeah, kind of kind of tight on there. You know, it was like some uh, Latin Kings like type graffiti. <laughs> on the, it was like baby killer. And it looked like it was just a rock through the door. Also, 
But uh, and then Will just kind of like shows up out of the steam and is like, "Are you okay?" And they're like, like, "Where's Carrie Cruz? Where's Lonnie?" Because um, he's not here. Yeah. Um, My security guard isn't here at night when I need him. Yeah, for, he doesn't manage me. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and then uh, Brian and uh, uh, Mac get into an argument, um, and she's like, "He's like, I'm better than Will anyway," and she's like, "No, you're not. I don't know if he's going to come back to me yet." And then Will stumbles out trying to put his pants on. It doesn't make. Any fucking sense. You've, we've never seen him in his boxers ever before. It does, yeah, like it, he's not, he's also not, like he comes out like Three Stooges style. It's like, why? It's like, woo! Yeah, yeah, and then he falls on the floor. Um, and, you know, then Brian's still around there, it seems. Uh, Mackenzie does a bizarre uh, poetry recitation yeah. where she's like, she thinks go try to fuck Maggie. Uh, he goes over to their apartment and he's like, uh, I was, hi, Lisa, I'm here to talk to you. And then Don goes, hi, Jim. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Lisa doesn't let him finish who he's here to talk to. And her and Maggie had been talking about Jim, but yeah. And then Lisa kisses him and is like, I'm ready to get back with you or whatever. And then Don is like, he was here to talk to you, Maggie, and I'm going to break up with you. And then he, there's a scene of him just like talking at her. Yeah. So. Just there we are. Yeah. All right. We'll be back with the season finale on this one. It's called The Greater Fool. The Greater Fool. Um, I got to say... Like, as as much as it's really great that we found a show to, like, dog on a lot and sort of go through as, like, an autopsy of culture for this time, I'm going to be really glad uh, <laughs> when we move on, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, we'll, it's we'll not see. in the award-winning TV, I wouldn't say. No, certainly not. No. Like, there are... The, I don't know that this will be the worst thing we ever cover. No. But it definitely is nowhere near the best. No. Hey. <laughs> uh, we're back. It's uh, we, we, we just watched uh, what, as far as I'm concerned, is the last episode of the newsroom. It's called The Greatest Greater Fool. It's done, folks. It's done. <laughs> no more. Uh, we're so what happened uh, here? I, I sorry. The greater uh, fool was us. Yeah, the greater fool was us <laughs> for watching it. Um, we forgot to mention something from the end of last episode, yeah. which is that uh, Dev Patel's character uh, found uh, more death threats online directed at Will um, and called Terry Crews his security guard. Um, the beginning of this episode starts with them rushing over to his apartment. Uh, they find blood on a, a New Yorker profile uh, that Brian wrote, uh, and they rush to the bathroom and they find him like passed out and there's blood all over the place. I guess he, it was. I think he threw up blood. Yeah, he, he had too, he had too much naproxen. He got yeah. a stomach ulcer along with his uh, antidepressants, which they kind of set up like it was going to be a cold open and then we were going to flash around and not know why he was in there. No, we found out pretty <laughs> found immediately. Out almost immediately. There was no suspense. There was they also sh- no suspense because they open with him back in the newsroom and then they say yeah. eight days earlier. And it's like, okay, I no longer have any investment. No. So I'm going to be honest. Uh, we didn't pay attention for like the first half of this episode and we'll do our best. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, when he's in the newsroom, uh, we find out, uh, or, or he, he announces that he's talking about voter ID laws, which were new back then, yeah. um, in Tennessee specifically. I think this is actually around when the, oh, this might be around Shelby County versus uh, Holder. So I think you're right. That makes sense. Ugh, what a fucking awful case. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, the Voting Rights Act, uh, half of it went away with that one, and the other half will go away probably by the end of this term, so don't Pretty worry about soon, it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, there's also a discussion of uh, uh, voter fraud and how it doesn't happen all that often. Um, not until 2020. Not Yeah, exactly. When it was totally stolen, 100%. Yeah. He won by 7 million votes. It's There were 7 million and one illegal votes, all yeah. for Biden. Um, I, I got to say, also in this most recent election, I worked as a uh, like a poll worker, uh, and you know I scanned all the IDs, uh, and there were like some people came in with the voter ID card that the state used to issue, and I was like, I don't need that anymore. Give me your photo ID. Can't do shit with it. And there were some older people who were like, Now I got to tell you, I'm so glad that they have photo ID voter laws now, and it's like. <laughs> Why? Why? Like, what difference does it fucking make? Solving a problem that didn't exist. That's exactly right. Who is stealing an election in a... I'm not even <laughs> going to get, in, even gonna get into it. In a system where, frankly, <laughs> there's not too big a difference in some of the outcomes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, Will wakes up in the hospital. Mac immediately starts beating the shit out of him because she's mad that he, uh, like, overdosed on his uh, antidepressants. Um, we go back to the NSA guy, uh, he talks to Charlie for a while and, uh, they, you know, it was not productive. No. Charlie receives a letter in the mail that said, or a file that says East River on it. Uh, I guess it was implied that the NSA guy killed himself. Jumped off a bridge into the East River. And we, we didn't find that out explicitly until later. Um, we also find out that... Um, the, I don't that that uh, they knew that Will was high, which I guess must have come up in the New Yorker profile. Yeah, the tabloid writer, uh, as we found out, you know, they'd hacked all of their phones. Yeah. And so the tabloid writer who uh, spilled a drink on him way back when you have to go back in your your feed to find that one. Yeah. Uh, she still got a vendetta on Will. She wrote about this, but of course they only found this out because they were wiretapping Will. Uh, and uh, Mac also. And Mac, yeah. um, they they found the message on her phone, uh, ripped it, and then deleted it. So yeah. um, then they used this later uh, to parlay against Jane Fonda and her son uh, to keep Will's job in the network and allow them to have more creative freedom. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Sloan has been in love with Don this entire time. The devil. The devil. Yes. Don is going to ask Maggie to move in with her. Um before this happens, uh, Maggie gets water splashed on her by a bus, and she starts yelling about what it's yeah. like to be a single woman in New York. It's the Sex in the City bus, by the way. Another yeah. HBO show. We won't be watching that one. No. Uh, thank God. And then Jim happens to be on the bus for some reason. I don't know why he's going on a Sex in the City tour. Of that New York. was not... He lives yeah. in New York! Why would Jim be on the Sex in the City bus? That wasn't made clear to me. Not at all! Um, but either way, he hears it, uh, and she runs away from him, and there's like a weird chase scene. Uh, they, they, he catches up, she comes up from behind him, they kiss, they acknowledge that they're back with their prior significant others, and that this will be a problem. Uh, 
Maggie goes home after writing a letter to Don where she's like, uh, I'm upset and she's about to break up with him. And then she asks, he asks to, her to move in with him. He's lit every candle in the Yankee candle. Yeah. And, her to move and she puts a key in a box. You know it smells crazy in there. Yes. <laughs> they're all scented. <laughs> Unless they're all the same scent or something. No, there's clean laundry, pine. Vanilla. Vanilla. Um, but... She- she, you know, she she says yes, uh, and so now there's new tension. Uh, we find out that uh, Max' uh, weird poetry speech did not work for Jim. He explains it to her, uh, and uh, that's a just kind of a funny scene. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, kind of it for this episode. Yeah, I mean, she kind of you know tries to get Will to admit that, of course, he said that he's in love with oh, her we because did, we did miss a crucial couple details. Also, that's the most obvious thing in the world, though. It's like there's no suspense in that. Like, if it's not this episode, maybe it's the next one. If it's not the next one, yeah. certainly it's will point. they? Won't they? They will. They will. Um, she loves him, and he loves her. And he's it's very just obvious. Mad. They he's stand super close to each other in the scenes. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's just pissed at her. Um, so the other thing that we find oh, out, yeah. they go into the, the, she's trying to figure out what the message he left for her was. It's very obvious that he told her she still loves her. And she must um, know this. Cause why she must she, know this why because she, she wouldn't be yeah. pestering him about yeah. it. But, uh, they go into Will's office and he's like, I had a hallucination. I thought I saw you in the crowd at Northwestern when I yelled that, that young girl. And then she pulls out her notebook and she still has, it's not, but it could be written on the... Paper, which and we he, we saw in the first episode when he was in the elevator and it was closing and she opens it up to I show. Did, yeah, him. I guess I forgot about that. But uh, um, and he's yeah. like, "Why didn't you tell me?" Like, there's a it's it's supposed to be a sweet moment and it's like broken by that. Which again, the, to the extent that Aaron Sorkin is capable of good writing, that's yeah. a, an example where it shines through. Um, Will has been paranoid because of the death threat thing. He's been seeing this girl over and over again in the office. Uh, Mac tells him she's applying for an internship. She's been waiting all day. And then he realizes and he sprints into the conference room where Mac is. uh, And it's the girl that he yelled at at Northwestern. And he starts shouting at her because he's like, I think, first believes that she's the one who's leaving the death threats for him. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he sort of uh, winds himself down and he goes, ask me again. Ask me your stupid idiot question again, you fucking awful bitch. Uh, and she's, <laughs> she's like, she's, uh, yeah. what, what makes America the greatest country in the world? And he, de- it, dead, dead eyed. He goes, it's you. You make America the greatest country in the world. Hire her. And then he leaves. You do. Uh, and then, you know, we sort of wrap up with uh, him and Terry Crews talking about how after his, uh, uh, like, coverage of the Republican Party, where he goes after people who are, you know, calling people Republican in name only and such. Uh, that those death threats are serious and that we should be worried about them. Uh, his, his grand observation in all this is, I'm not the rhino. They're the rhinos. Yeah. The Tea Party. They aren't the true Republicans, and the true Republicans will know this. Little, little does Will know. Uh, <laughs> actually, he is the rhino. He the, is, the part. and also, like... I gotta say, it's reminiscent of like the Pelosi thing, where she was like, "We need a strong Republican Party." We don't. No, we don't. Um, any okay? Let, let me just say this: if if you, the listener, are a centrist, uh, uh, cover your ears or something. Yeah. But I, I, you know what, centrists uh, and uh, you know, honestly, a lot of you know 
regular establishment Democrats stand to enable the Republican Party against progressives. Uh, that's their job. Uh, they both are not interested in progressive policy. And quite honestly, the difference between, you know, it's like when uh, people are like Republic or uh, conservatives or Nazis or whoever are the same as socialists. It's like, no, they're not. No. Um, they're, the extreme left and the extreme right are not the same thing. Uh, but that's sort of a, a thing that is uh, uh, central to people like Aaron Sorkin's beliefs. Because, you know, crucial difference, uh, socialists are part of the pogrom that gets rounded up and killed in a lot of these big events. And uh, notably, Nazis are not. No. Because they're, they're the ones perpetrating They're doing it. the rounding. They're so, doing the rounding up, famously. Yeah. Um, y- you know, I... I, I uh, it's neither here nor there. Neither here nor there, but that's sort of, uh, yeah, central to Aaron Sorkin's uh, beliefs. Um Okay, here's, I guess, uh, 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 we, we've got just a little bit of time left here um, with the newsroom. Uh, and I want to I wanna just talk a little bit more seriously about Aaron Sorkin's style and why it bothers me so much in particular. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, I, I, I often shorten it to nobody talks like this. But I, I you know, I, I've been trying to do a better job at media review recently because we have a podcast about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned to Reese that I had I had just finished another an anime again. Uh, it's one I've seen before. It's Berserk. It's very good. Uh, watch the 1997 version if you're interested. It's free on YouTube. But um, I think that anime as a medium is interesting because it does sort of it has asides where the characters talk to themselves and they have monologues and things like that too similar to like older uh, like Shakespearean drama and things like that um, and you know I guess there that sort of happened convergently in Japan as well with their style of theater um, so it sort of represents itself now in their modern art um, and, and, you know, at the very least, uh, characters monologuing to themselves or, or having an aside is a very common trope within anime. I think that that's one of the reasons that uh, Americans find it kind of inaccessible in some instances. Uh, and there's an extent to which I think that that's fine um, because, you know, we don't consume media like that anymore. Sure. Um, but I don't think, like, that you can make that kind of argument for Aaron Sorkin. Because... Not only does truly nobody talk like this, but it's not like a refined thing. Um, sometimes it seems like he's just recently taken like uppers, uh, yeah. and he's writing these this really fast dialogue, and uh, you can tell that um, like they're simulating motion with the camera so that it doesn't seem out of place that people are talking this fast. Um, there's a scene where Don and Sloan are talking just in this last episode. The camera does not stay still for more than five seconds the entire time. It keeps cutting back and forth to their faces. Um, when in reality, if you had like a little bit of a slower and more deliberate scene, uh, you could have just kept the camera in the same place and it wouldn't have been so distracting. Um, and I think that represents itself very frequently in the way Aaron Sorkin shoots things. He can't help himself. He can't help himself. He does the mockumentary zoom thing sometimes. Um, Every show is the office. Yeah, it's not a. He oftentimes he he doesn't do a fast enough zoom, uh, so that you sort of know that you know that they just hit like the zoom button on the camera. Um, like I've done I've done a little bit of videography in the past, and like I don't know I'm not that experienced, but it's still uh, quite obvious. Um, but the other thing is, as we mentioned earlier in this episode, I think you can blame every problem this show has, not on the actors or actresses, but simply on Aaron Sorkin, because 
uh, as much as he um, could probably write a pretty funny comedy because um, honestly I think what people would want in a modern comedy is it being faster paced than it, they were in the past but also um, you know he, he just like it doesn't work for this kind of medium where he's trying to be serious but he also thinks he's really hilarious and wants to do like bits and gags where like Will comes out with his pants off uh, and so it doesn't, it just doesn't work. It's kind of incoherent generally. Um, and with that in mind, we did a little bit of a Google search and we found out that, uh, uh Jeff Daniels won a fucking Emmy, uh, for this, uh, show this as is, best actor. This is egregious. Yeah. He, he won, uh, the best, or he won the Emmy for the best actor in a drama series. And when you think about what year this show came out it kind of becomes clear what shows he would have had to beat out because this is the 2013 Emmys and he beat out, well, three shows that are pretty popular. Yeah. Two that I think were well-deserved of the Emmy, two, but two one are, yeah. that is like one ridiculous. Yeah. So he beats he beats Down and Abbey. Uh, he beats Mad Men. He beats John Hamm for Mad Men. And, and then um, he beats... Uh, Kevin Spacey, House of Cards. Oh, he beats Kevin Spacey in House of Cards. But m- most importantly... He beats Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad, which, like, like we said, <laughs> just so beyond egregious. Like, I, again, I would struggle to think of a better actor right now, other than um, uh, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Like, both of them did such a good job in that show. They kept themselves sympathetic while playing total monsters. Yeah. Uh, and like, like. I don't know. Like, what more can you ask for, I guess, from an actor? Certainly, Jeff Daniels here, like, he's basically playing, like, a bastardized version of, like, a, a yeah. musical or an older-style drama where uh, it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work on the screen. Uh, I don't know why Aaron Sorkin shows are so popular. Maybe it's just because the libs like them or something. Yeah. Uh, and that they like the fantasy that you're able to debate your opponent out of whatever position they've taken. I don't know. But um, I, I certainly think that that's part of the answer is that... Politics are dumb and Aaron Sorkin's smart. Well, it just, yeah, it sort of, it's like a bomb that you can put on uh, any kind of fears because, of course, like, President, whatever the fuck his name is in West Wing, I haven't watched the show. Um, but, like, he can debate whoever out yeah. of a position, no matter how evil they are. And all that has to happen is you have to rhetorically outplay them, and then it's over. There's no more fight anymore. And I think that... One reason why a lot of these shows take flack now is because it's quite obvious that we don't live in that world. Maybe when the Tea Party was a thing, people were more willing to readily accept that sort of conclusion. But in the world of Trump, you don't see that anymore and nobody believes it. You don't believe that you can debate Ron DeSantis out of being like a fascistic moron in Florida. Because that's not the point. It's not the point. He's going to do it anyway. It doesn't matter whether he believes in it for real or not because... Frankly, he's just doing it because it gets the money and the voters. Um, so there's I, no there's no good faith in politics. Maybe no, there never was, I, but like yeah. you know, now it's like a in a very in a way that's more observable to like the layman. Like the good faith, the good faith is gone. Like Which it's is, all just it's all just kabuki theater. At this yeah, point. and I mean, you'll find a lot of like dis like like uh, disheartened centrists. Like that's I don't know. To, there's an extent to which that happened to me. Um, the part of why I got de-radicalized from the right was because of Trump. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Uh, and, uh, you know, I was 17, but 
so don't hold it against me too much. But it's yeah, you can you find yourself in a world where there are a bunch of disheartened like quote unquote centrists who are like, well, I don't think liberals can offer me anything, which is a correct deception. Uh, uh, like like um. I don't know what word them assessment. Yeah. Um. They like that's correct. They can't offer you anything, and that's no. why they lose all the time. They're born and bred to be losers, uh, and they they need to lose to continue fundraising. But um, I think a lot of people correctly recognize that the Republican Party is evil. Yes. Um. It's like the evergreen Simpsons meme that's uh, we hate ourselves. We can't govern. Uh, we hate everyone, and we want life to be worse for yeah. everyone. The difference between incompetence and and evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's. That's it. Which, I don't know, there's an extent to which I think the Democrats are acting incompetently on purpose. Yeah. Um, but, y- you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I Neglect and evil. Yeah. You know. You know, and obviously there are concerns to be had about fascism in America, and I don't think it's going to look exactly like it did in Germany or Italy or anything like that, because I... For Americans to accept something like that, which they would to an extent, um, they would need life to not fundamentally change and still get their treats. So I still, I think that that's the way it'll look if it comes. But I think that like one thing that we all have to recognize sort of collectively is that regardless what needs to happen is, or or what what we recognize will happen is in the event that something like that happens um, and there's like a takeover, the liberals will not join and unionize with progressives against fascists no they will they will almost surely be the reason that fascism yeah. was able to kind of skirt by there because they were willing to uh take roll the dice there and see what yeah. would happen if they the the, th- the thought will obviously be well maybe we can lose and maintain our power position mm-hmm. and maybe that's that's better than empowering these people who we don't uh, quite agree with who yeah. are on our ideological side of the aisle well, I mean, and the United States has always been more anti-leftist than it has been anti-fascist. You can see that yeah, by, yeah. you know, us immediately yeah. taking in, uh, like, Nazi scientists yeah. and, uh, you know, Japanese scientists from uh, Unit 431 yeah. or you, whatever. You look at the history of the South up until present, even. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, we, you know, this is the country that it is. It was founded by the Puritans who were freaks in their own right. You yeah, know, so. and you know, you'll never, and that's the thing, like, I don't think you'll ever debate a liberal out of their position. You kind of have to show them. Like, you, you have to, like, uh, you know, this is maybe as a remnant of my Christian up- upbringing, but um, kind of like not be the change you want to see in the world, but like show them that you as a progressive are like a more compassionate person than their counterpart. Mm-hmm. Like be there for your community and, you know, things like that. Like be be a kinder person. And that doesn't mean you can't clown on Republicans, by the way, yeah. because uh, they love that too. We all do. Yeah. But that's, you and, know. And you may still not get anywhere because with some people, fundamentally, it is that they get their sense of politics from a feeling of moral superiority. And it may... It may make them angry to know that they are not morally superior to uh, left-wing politics. Well, and you know, that's the other thing, is that like there many people, especially people older than you, have been through decades of Cold War propaganda. Like, you know, think about what like like ask your grandparents what they think of communism and they'd right. probably get more upset about it than they would about Nazism just because like 
their country told them to be upset about communism their entire lives until the 90s. As children, they were told, uh, you will be bombed, so you better get to know your desk good because it's the only thing going to save you from the nuclear fallout. Right, duck and cover. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, there's a reason we're, where we are now, um, but, like, it's not because, like, Republicans have been winning in the marketplace of ideas or whatever. No. Um, it's never, like, Republicans, you got to remember, also never win because they're the majority or anything like that. Not, not in my lifetime. Well, and I mean, I don't know that they ever have, uh, at least post-party switch. Because, uh, like, again, it's gerrymandering and, like, other undemocratic policies that they use to keep in power despite being the minority. So, um, you know, that's kind of a tangent there at the end here. But um, the the broader point, uh, season one is done. Season one is done. So we're, the next season, whenever that arrives to us, will take place during the 2012 <laughs> campaign. And I think... Probably we'll take it up when we're in the midst of our own 2024 campaign. So that would be a great we'll, idea. We'll be 12 years removed uh, from that camp, which is a lifetime in politics. And uh, date this as you know, present. Uh, Donald Trump has announced he's running. That's yep. We don't know anybody else at this point, but surely by the time that we get to season two, we'll have the full clown car together. We'll have the full clown car, and we'll be able to make comparisons to what is currently going on. We sort of. Uh, We've recorded this uh, season uh, with a backlog, so you're going to sort of uh, be journeying with us in the past here, dating back to uh, probably at least a few months from release, uh, and you'll be able to sort of hear a little bit of what's going on. Uh, in the future, our uh, episodes should release alongside current events so uh more current more current <laughs> and you, you won't hear anything about like the john fetterman campaign no. uh he won by the way uh or, but or, or king chuck yeah you won't hear anything about that way down the line uh it'll be more along with what you're following if you're following the news um and yeah so that's the the newsroom for us um the the most unearned emmy perhaps in television history um oh it's up there I, yeah, I can't think of another one. I mean, you know, uh, let me let me <laughs> let me look at this. Okay, right. so 2022, I think this is fair. Squid Game, the guy sure. from Squid Game. Okay, 2021, uh, Prince Charles in the Crown. Okay, 2020, Kendall Roy from Success. You don't watch the Crown? No, you. I hate the British monarchy. It's not about that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't want to know anything about them. I God hate them so damn. Much. I hate, I despise them in my bones. But Kendall Roy in Succession makes yeah. sense. The one right before that I've never <laughs> heard of. Have you ever heard of Posse? No. Okay. Well, there you go. Billy Porter and Posse was 2019. Billy and then you've got the Americans. And then you've got This Is Us. Uh, girl, Speaking of the Cold War propaganda, by us. the way. Oh, uh, the, the Americans. Americans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. Robot with Rami Malek. Do you remember this? I do remember that. Uh, and Good then quarter. 2015, you get John Hamm getting his comeuppance finally. Then Brian Cranston. Yeah, I mean, again, probably the most deserved in the past decade yes. would be Brian Cranston. Absolutely. Um, and not to say Brian Cranston didn't get he, you know, he won 2008, 2009. Oh, he did. Yeah, okay. and 2014. John Hamm only winning once is kind of a. I don't know. I think John. I, I got to say, I think Brian Cranston has done a like better job generally. I don't know, like. No, yeah. Yeah, you know, I... More range. 
more range, uh, even within the context of Breaking Bad itself. Uh, plus, you know, like I said earlier, I think he has he managed very well to like uh, portray himself as like someone who's clearly like morally reprehensible. But you still have guys out there who are like talking Skyler's about Skyler's yeah, a I bitch. Mean, I was gonna say so they hate Skyler more than they hate Walter, <laughs> even though like you know Walter's she, a drug dealer and a murderer, and Skyler's just a wife and mother, and, and like a little bit annoying. <laughs> yeah. But that's it. Like it's it's like she's still objectively morally correct, but. Like, you know, I think part of that is that a lot of dudes are sexist, yeah. but... Uh, we probably won't watch Breaking Bad either. That's a lot No, long that's... Long. I mean, we're going to probably try to stick to, like, mostly political stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess stick to what we know, because I don't know that I'm... I don't know that I'm good enough at like like media criticism to, to Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. No. But if we did it, it would be I would say like a, we do the entire series overview in like one episode oh, yeah. or something, or a, a selected episode. Yeah, certainly. Um, but I mean, like as this kind of thing comes out, feel free to like let us know if you're interested in watching whatever or us watching whatever, um, and. Uh, yeah, I mean we've we've got a couple things in mind, uh, particularly the um, Oliver the Oliver Stone presidential uh, I said trilogy, Oliver North. Uh, the, Ol- the Oliver <laughs> North Iran Contra trilogy. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah. well, speaking of that, we could do American Made also. So there yeah. are a lot of there are a lot of things that we could do here. Um, you know that we've thought of uh, you some know, Dinesh D'Souza documentary. I, I would be so excited you know. about that. So yeah, um, just sort of let us know what you're interested in. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening to our uh, our review of the first ten episodes of the newsroom. And uh, I really hope we don't come back to this one anytime soon. So that says it. Um, but we'll see you uh, next time with a, a currently unknown review of something else. See ya. Hey there, friends, neighbors, and countrymen. Sorry this episode is coming out so late. Uh, that's due to my own personal laziness. However, I would like to let you know that another episode will be coming out around this time next week. Um, and we have done a review on Dinesh D'Souza's quote-unquote documentary, America, Imagine a World Without Her. Um, like I said, it'll be coming out sometime next week. And uh, just to remind you here in terms of plugging the socials, you can find us everywhere at IHPS Pod. Uh, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time.